I'm Josh Finner, and welcome to this episode of Today's Faith Matters. Today, talking about the Ravi Zacharias scandal, and my goal today is really to, t- to lay the whole story out uh, and what exactly happened. There's been a lot that's been reported, a lot of articles that have been written about this lately, and so some people might just be confused, might not know who Ravi Zacharias is, and they're hearing about this man, hearing about this story. So the report, this is a copy of the report, was printed or was released last week. Uh, Robbie's ministry actually was the one who had the report done. So to give a little bit of background, uh, Robbie Zacharias passed away last May after a short battle with spinal cancer. He was one of the best known, most popular, most beloved apologists, evangelists, and ministry leaders really in the last generation. In a hugely popular ministry called Robbie Zacharias International Ministries, uh, obviously founded by Robbie. And it featured Ravi traveling internationally, did a lot of work on college campuses, uh, practicing apologetics, which his style of apologetics was basically giving responses to arguments that secular or atheistic people would have against the Christian faith. And not just Ravi did this with his ministry, he had other speakers who would also uh, travel with RZIM, how it's also referred to. And uh, again, a hugely influential ministry. Uh, some even went as far as comparing Ravi to basically being this generation's C.S. Lewis. When Ravi died, former Vice President Mike Pence attended his memorial service. When he died, there was a huge outpouring of support for Ravi and his ministry, and I'll admit from me as well. Um, before these scandals came to light, I personally was a huge fan of Ravi Zacharias. I went to the same seminary as Ravi. I didn't go there just because Ravi had gone there, but that was something I always took a lot of pride in that he and I went went to the same school. And um, but I think it's important to understand this really major scandal uh, that he was involved in, and that has now more and more come to light. Now, something I think is really important to understand because, as I mentioned, he died last spring. Um, Allegations of sexual misconduct from Ravi were starting to come out during his lifetime. Uh, in the most well-known incident in 2017, uh, Ravi did an interview with Christianity Today, and he talked about this woman who had sent him explicit photographs of herself. And the way Ravi told the story, he made it seem like this was unwanted, unsolicited, and he framed it as if it was really a plot to extort money from Ravi. That woman's woman's name was Lori Ann Thompson. Uh, her and her husband had sued Ravi. Ravi countersued, and in the settlement, as part of that, he had them sign a non-disclosure agreement, which they are still bound to, even after Ravi has now passed away. Uh, Ravi's widow could lift the NDA, is my understanding. I'm not a lawyer. It's my understanding she could lift that agreement, but still has not. Um, and so that's a story that came out, uh, again, during Robbie's lifetime. Now, a couple of weeks ago, week and a half ago, Lori Ann Thompson actually issued her own statement. Uh, and it's heartbreaking, where she talks about just her lifetime of sexual abuse that she faced as a child and um, the behaviors that when she met Robbie, in hindsight, really felt like she was being groomed. And it's also interesting to consider her statement and the report that came out, um, because it, it certainly sounds like it's very much in line with Ravi's modus operandi that he would use to uh, gain women's trust and um, begin 
by talking about relatively innocent subjects, but more and more get more and more personal, talking about sensitive matters in their lives and um, in numerous instances, progressively escalating the nature of the relationship that he was having with uh, women who were not his wife. Those weren't always um, active sexual relationships, but some of that also included uh, explicit texting and photographs that were being uh, shared with Ravi. Certainly very despicable things. Um, the report talks about how Ravi, a lot of the uh, women he pursued were massage therapists. If, if you listened to Ravi, he talked uh, numerous times during his ministry about having severe back pains, which I have no reason to, to doubt that that was true. And uh, in his contacts on his cell phones, uh, they found the names of over 200 massage therapists. Now, that's certainly not saying that Ravi had inappropriate relationships with all of them or even most of them. Um, but the firm who did the report interviewed numerous women, and there was a pattern that developed of how Robbie would um, exploit these women. They found hundreds of photos on Robbie's phone of young women who appeared to be in their 20s or so. Uh, some of them were some of them were innocent selfie type photos, but some of them definitely were explicit or nude photos that was being sent to Robbie. Some of the text messages uh, between Robbie and these women. Um, again, could, could be very sexualized. And so certainly, again, there's no excuse or justification for this for a man who claimed to be a man of God, for a man who talked a lot about integrity, for a man who was married. Um, you know, this is all really, really disgraceful uh, behavior that was perpetuated by Robbie. How many women was it? That we don't know. And in the report, they acknowledged that they were limited in scope. Uh, I believe they had three cell phones that they talked about that they were able to examine, but they still have gaps of sometimes years between one cell phone and another. Um, and some of Ravi's various accounts were, were private and they weren't able to have access to. They also did not do an exhaustive search. Again, Ravi had a well-known, well-established international ministry. He did lots of traveling in other parts of the world. Um, especially a lot of travel in Asia. And uh, again, they didn't exhaustively explore every single possible avenue of this conduct. One of the things that the report does say is that I believe it was in Bangkok, Thailand. Ravi at one point had uh, two apartments and one of them was resided in by one of his uh, massage therapists in his, uh, with whom he was interacting. Um, women he gave money to. At times through the ministry, uh, funding various women who he was supporting financially. Um, so again, some really, really shady dealings engaged in by Ravi Zacharias. So sexting, emotional affairs. Uh, one of the women describes Ravi's relationship with her as rape. That's her word that's in the report itself. Um, other sexually deviant things that Ravi did with massage therapists. Um, and again, just this whole facade that he put up of being this godly man. Um, according to the report, he was engaging in texting conversations with these women until a couple months, few months before he died, as far as what they're aware of through what they had access to. Um, 
And I think that's an important point because certainly nobody's perfect, but Robbie was really living a double life for years. It's not that he had one time where he slipped up, not that that's okay, but multiple examples of indiscretions over a long period of time of women who, for the most part, really had no status, who Ravi was taking advantage of and abusing and victimizing. And I think it's really easy in all of this to lose sight of the victims themselves. I see so many comments online about this, where at heart, it's really making Ravi out to be the victim and painting him as a sympathetic figure. And for Christians or people who say that they're Christians, I think that response is absolutely unacceptable. The person who really brought a lot of this to light was a atheist named Steve Boffman, who began by investigating Ravi's academic claims and credentials. Ravi has the same level of education that I have. We both have Master of Divinity degrees. But for years, Ravi would say, and his ministry would say, and his promotional materials would say that Ravi was a doctor. He never had a doctorate. Yes, he had honorary doctorates, but in America, that's not generally referred to as somebody who's a doctor. Uh, a doctor communicates a certain level of academic knowledge and expertise. And so Ravi misrepresented himself and Steve Bothman, who was investigating his own beliefs and faith, um, started to really appreciate Ravi's teaching, but more and more looked into this and found more examples of fraudulent claims academically that Ravi was making. Another example, Ravi claimed to have been professors, professor at various uh, institutions like Oxford and Cambridge, which he had never done. Um, certainly those lies, while significant, are kind of the least of Ravi's issues, um, but that's really what led into this rabbit hole of digging further and further and finding some of these claims of sexual assault and uh, without that, we might not have ever even known about this on a wide scale. Um, but it shouldn't have been him who led the charge to begin with. Uh, now, I appreciate, and I actually had him on the podcast in our last episode and uh, really appreciate Steve. But it should have been Christians. It should have been the ministry who were leading the charge from the beginning. You know, for people who are more evangelical, more Protestant, it's really easy for us to criticize the Catholic Church and their rampant sexual abuse. Um, but when it happens within our own sphere, I see far too many people who are ignoring it. And again, we should be the ones leading the charge for the purity of the church. We should be the ones who care the most about somebody presenting himself as a minister of the gospel, as somebody defending and talking about the Lord, who's a total fraud. We should be greatly grieved and offended by that. If people close to Ravi, if people in the ministry on the board, if people had taken allegations seriously and legitimately investigated them at the time, we wouldn't have needed someone like Steve Boffman to bring all of this to light. It would have happened from within, which is the way it should be and should have been. And for churches and ministries going forward, it should be a lesson that they all learn. Sadly, because scandals within churches and institutions so often go unreported, ignored, rushed off to the side. That's not the way it should be. I think sometimes 
Christians worry almost like we're the PR department for God. Now, how we live matters and being witnesses to what we believe matters. But when I talk about it as being like the PR department, what I mean is that we act like anything that's bad PR, we need to just ignore it and hide it. Not every Christian does this, but far too many do. And none of us should, is the point that I'm making. The affront to the gospel is when we want to protect and make excuses for abusers. Not when we want to expose the truth. Because when we ignore and undermine the truth, that gives power to people who want to abuse the church and abuse people. I think about the warnings in the New Testament that Jesus gives about wolves infiltrating the church and how it's the job specifically of pastors and shepherds within the church to protect the flock from the wolves. The New Testament, I think, is certainly very much in tune with reality that there are people who will come in the name of God and uh, who are really there for themselves and to be abusive and destructive within the church. And so again, we shouldn't be surprised by that. We should be grieved by that, uh, but we, we certainly should not hide it or hide from it when these instances happen. Uh, so I think that, again, that's a, le a lesson that we need to learn going forward as too many people end up getting protected um, for rampant sin. And a point that I've made in other places is that not only is that a disservice to victims, but it's also a disservice to the abuser himself or herself. When, we, when, when people who are in power are aware of abuse and they don't hold other major ministerial leaders accountable for that abuse, that's not loving that person because we are called to challenge each other, to exhort each other to holiness. Proverbs talks about knives sharpening knives. Uh, we are called to look out for one another, to love one another. And part of that is to care about the holiness of one another. And so for people who might've known about Ravi's specific antics, um, they, they did him no favors. Now, I think one of the main vulnerabilities, especially probably in America, but I don't think this is exclusive to American churches and ministries, is that for the, for the big ones, for, for major ministries, that there is so much financial interest because, I mean, Ravi's ministry brought in millions of dollars. And so you start to have more and more people on staff and there becomes a significant financial interest in a popular, gifted, charismatic leader being front and center, being in power. And it can really disincentivize accountability. Uh, and again, I think that that's a major, I, I consider so many other scandals that have happened uh, in other churches and ministries. And it just, it gets really difficult to uh, hold leaders accountable. Powerful leaders, I think, begin to create boards, or if it's a church, alder boards, where accountability and questioning leadership is discouraged, maybe even punished. Examples of that seem like that happened in Robbie's board, and it certainly happened in other major uh, church scandals that, that I've researched, um, where I think about Willow Creek, where their pastor also got embroiled in sexual misconduct. I remember sermons where he pontificated on the disagreement that he welcomed within the staff and leadership of his church. 
obviously that wasn't true. Um, it gets discouraged and again, punished. And that's also a major issue because nobody is absolutely above reproach and uh, people should be able to be questioned. And so again, I think that these are issues that um, churches and ministries need to address. Something else I wanted to focus on are some of the, I'll call them excuses that I've heard from people who want to minimize and mitigate the severity of what's happened. Uh, probably the biggest excuse I hear is, well, Robbie's dead. He can't even defend himself. I think that's unacceptable because Robbie, this started to come to light as I've talked about during Robbie's lifetime. And so you can't have it both ways where he lied. Again, Robbie victimized Lorianne Thompson. His ministry actually issued a statement last week in conjunction with the report because they didn't interview Lorianne Thompson in the report because she's still under an NDA agreement. But the ministry, ministry said that they believe Lorianne Thompson's story. And by the way, the ministry is uh, currently led by one of Robbie's daughters. He's had family members on the board of RZIM, and they're saying that they believe Lorianne Thompson is telling the truth. And so what that means is that this story came to light during Robbie's lifetime. He could have owned up to it. What he did was bad, but he could have owned up to his mistakes and sins and repented. But instead of doing that, Robbie, Robbie intentionally obfuscated the facts, told this concocted story where he made her out to be the aggressor and him out to be the victim, made himself out to be a sympathetic figure. And then he continued to do ministry for the rest of his life. Um, how wicked is that? He either had to have been racked by grief. This is something Steve Boffman talked about. Or almost been a sociopath just without any empathy that he destroyed this woman's life. Lorian Thompson, again, released her statement last week, ruined her life. And again, so people want to make Ravi out to be a sympathetic figure because he can't defend himself. Um, if he would have come forward and told the truth to begin with, uh, we would have known more at the time. Um, I, I've also heard the excuse of, well, how do we really know what happened? Well, because it was investigated and they went through his personal cell phone and accounts and they have evidence. Again, the ministry is led by Ravi's own daughter and they're the ones who had the investigation done. And the investigation says this is what happened. If you can't accept that, what do you believe? And this is something else that is, for Christians, truth should matter. What really happened should matter. Not willfully ignoring reality and facts. Which, again, I, I keep using the word, but that's unacceptable. Truth should always matter. And the fact that Robbie's dead regardless of if he died eight months ago or 80 years ago, this is still relevant. And it's relevant also because there might have been other people in his ministry who were aware or had some knowledge of Robbie's misconduct who did nothing. And if that's the case, that also needs to be investigated. And there's potentially, I'm not saying this, but there's potentially illegal activities that happened, especially considering the way Robbie was funneling money to some of these women. I'm not saying that for sure, but that seems like that should be looked into. And so again, to 
want to downplay this. The report to me is not the conclusion of anything. It's an important step, but really it's the tip of the iceberg about what else was known while Robbie was alive. It also matters most importantly because his victims are alive. It matters for people like Lorianne Thompson. It matters for some of these massage therapists. Robbie co-owned two spas in the Atlanta area. When I first heard that story last summer, that was so bizarre, I, um, I couldn't believe it. Um, but Robbie co-owned two of these spas. That's one of the locations where some of his misconduct happened. Um, but his victims, they deserve the truth to be known. Again, Robbie was widely loved, widely celebrated. Can you imagine being abused by somebody who's hailed as this great hero? For their sake, they deserve to have the truth be known. I hear the excuse, well, I guess you're perfect. I guess you've never sinned. I guess you've never screwed up. Obviously, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. I do think there's a fundamental difference between somebody who is trying to live a holy life, trying to live a life to honor God, versus somebody who's intentionally living a double life. Again, it's not just that he screwed up here or there multiple years of multiple interactions with multiple women um, where he's leading this double life, being a hypocrite, talking about integrity while displaying no integrity. Again, sexual misconduct, lying about his credentials. Um, there was a podcast last week about a woman who he talked into getting an abortion in the 1970s. She originally brought that story to light like 20 years ago. Bobby had, just where's the integrity? And while I'm on that subject, I, I hear some people who want to defend Ravi almost from like a uh, like a theological perspective of like, well, he's a brother in Christ. How can we say these things about him? I'm not the judge. I'm not all-knowing. I don't know Ravi's soul. The more I've looked into this man, I'm not saying that he wasn't truly a believer, truly a born-again, regenerate believer in the gospel. I'm not saying that he wasn't, but I also don't think we should be so convinced that he was. He talked a big game, but again, behind the scenes, he was a fraud. Um, and so the excuse of, well, I guess you're perfect, that to me just, again, that's totally undermining what Ravi did. That's totally undermining his victims and their significance. I've heard people compare him to David. If you don't know the Bible very well, David has an affair with a woman who's married named Bathsheba. Bathsheba gets pregnant. David sends her husband to the front lines in battle where her husband dies. David later marries her. Obviously, that is a horribly wicked thing. If you read Psalm 51, you see David just racked with grief and guilt for what he has done. I think it's also worth noting David repented. We're not aware of Ravi ever repenting. We're not aware of Robbie ever coming clean or doing anything to set the record straight. Again, he, he continued communication with these people. Um, repentance, I think, is hugely important. Acknowledging our sin and turning from our sin. There's no evidence that Robbie ever did that. Also, with David and Bathsheba, as horrible as that was, that happened once. With Robbie, it happened multiple times with multiple women. I hear people want to compare it to the incident in the Gospel of John where a woman caught in adultery is brought before Jesus. 
And Jesus says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. But I think people conveniently forget that right after that, Jesus in the same story tells the same woman, go and sin no more. He calls her to holiness. Jesus calls his people to holiness. And so I think we greatly, uh, we look at the sins of others in the Bible as if that justifies us in our own sin. We're not justified by David. We're not justified by the Apostle Paul. We're not justified by Peter. We're justified in Christ and uh, what he did. And Jesus calls us to be holy. Jesus calls us not to sin. We should be thankful as Christians that Jesus is infinitely gracious and forgiving. But let us never minimize or undermine the importance of sin. Because that becomes the epitome of what the great German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. You're cheapening the grace of Christ when you act like your sin isn't that big of a deal. Uh, and so I think it's unhelpful to, to minimize what Robbie did. Um, other excuses that I've heard for Robbie. Um, well, what about his family? They've gone through so much. I'm sure that's true. I do feel bad for Robbie's family. But I don't see why that means that the victims don't deserve the truth to be known. I, I just, again, so many arguments that seek to undermine and justify this. We should care about the truth. Last thing I want to talk about in this episode of my podcast is if you were a fan of Ravi, and as I said in the beginning, I was. I loved Ravi. What do you do with him going forward? Should you still read his books? Should you still listen to his podcast? Um, should you still listen to YouTube videos where he's talking? In my opinion, no. I mean, you, you can take or leave it. I think if you learned something from Ravi that you think is helpful, I think you should appreciate that. If the pastor of your church did the things Ravi did, that pastor would be rightfully disqualified from ministry. And Ravi did numerous things that would disqualify him. Again, he wasn't your pastor. He's not a pastor. But I think we should have a similar expectation for ministry figures who we listen to and learn from, that they should be people who are biblically qualified, which Ravi clearly was not. So it might be harder to get access to some of his materials, but again, people still own his books. Um, again, I would say, I, I would not encourage somebody going forward, continuing to read Ravi's materials. Um, and by the way, I, I think there's better sources for it anyway. I think there's better arguments that can be made and better sources of our spiritual and theological enrichment. This is probably gonna seem like it's just taking a shot at Ravi if this scandal had never happened and Ravi had just died and was still beloved and none of these bad things had happened, I still think in 10 years, 20 years, people weren't going to really be reading him anyway. Um, just think about most well-known Christian ministry leaders. Can you name popular pastors from 40 or 50 years ago? Probably not. Or 100 years ago? Probably not. And so I feel like for most people in ministry, when they die, um, I feel like people tend to live to listen to living figures. Again, there's ex there's exceptions. People like Martin Luther and John Calvin, hundreds of years after they died, uh, are very influential. 
Um, someone like C.S. Lewis, almost 60 years after his death, is still read and beloved. And as much as we like to compare Ravi to C.S. Lewis, he wasn't. He wasn't the intellectual that C.S. Lewis was. And uh, given that he wasn't going to be producing any more material, I just I, I think Ravi was going to slowly but surely fade. I think the scandal is actually going to somewhat keep him well known. Um, but yeah, my personal recommendation, I would suggest somebody find someone else to, to read besides a disgraced sexual predator. So those are my thoughts on this Ravi story and more information I'm sure is going to continue to come out. And again, I, I think that Christians should be paying attention and should care about what he did and what happened for the sake of the church, the sake of the victims and the sake of truth. So thanks so much for joining me for this episode. And uh, yeah, just as we process and break all of this down and I hope it's a blessing to you and we'll see you next time. Thanks.